Death is the only wise advisor that we have. Whenever you feel, as you always do, that everything is going wrong and you're about to be annihilated, turn to your death and ask it if that is so. Your death will tell you that you're wrong, that nothing really matters outside its touch. Your death will tell you, I haven't touched you yet. Carlos Castaneda with an Enye. What's going on, guys? It's MDLP. This is Battle Axe, pod- Battle Axe Podcast. Uh, Battle Axe sounds good. Um, I think we're going to run with that. Episode five. Uh, so, sorry, I'm getting too close to the mic. This is a special episode. I, I've figured out that every five episodes, I'm going to do like a Q&A. Somebody told me something really nice, and they told me that uh, they actually like to hear what I think about things, which is cool, because I thought that I'd always have a guest on the podcast, but I was extremely flattered to hear that. And you know what? I love the sound of my voice. So episode five, we're going to do a Q&A with questions that either I've been asked in the past that I want to bring back up. I've done uh, Insta stories or I've answered privately in DMs and emails, um, some very, very good questions. But I picked the ones that are a little broad, but that have been repeated. And then people that actually participated and send me DMs on the, they slipped me the DM and told me that they were going to ask me these great questions. So with me today are the regulars of the Battle Axe Gym, Vincenzo and Felipe, or Philip, as we say affectionately. Philip, if you want to go short. Well, I don't, you know what? I'm going to call you Philip in a disrespectful way. Vinny? How are we doing? I'm um, sitting next to two of my Colombian brothers. Proud to be here again. The huh? Irish pride Vincenzo, huh? Yay, you know how it is. Uh, also, I'd like to thank our two sponsors, Beard Strong Podcast. That's at Beer Strong Podcast. These guys make this happen every time. Uh, the reason why we have these episodes so sporadically, A, I have a few things going on, but B, and mainly they come all the way from, I don't know, Vegas or somewhere. Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> um, from Hogwarts. And uh, they come by and they, um, they help me out a lot. So I, I, I don't necessarily consider them the sponsor in a joking way, that they are the reason why we're here and making this happen. Number two, uh, Jefferson's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Thank you so much. And Mitch's Bourbon. Thank you guys for sponsoring our show with alcohol. Just kidding. Not kidding. I'm kidding. Don't sue us. So, <laughs> I have to say that because I legitimately feel like somebody really famous is going to hear us one day. I don't know. And they'll be like, this guy is sponsored? I'll be like, just kidding. PBR. Um, that or you'll get a hit from an AA group because we're <laughs> drinking every podcast. Let me tell you something, guys. The last 20 minutes of every episode are a blur. So what you're hearing is just raw genius. There's no, I don't even know. They're like, you remember what you said? I'm like, mm. I don't even listen to my own episodes because I get embarrassed with myself. I am like, somebody else, you know somebody else who did that? Larry King. Am I comparing myself to Larry King? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So there you go. Um, so I'm going to let my boys uh, uh, go ahead and take these guys. They're going to ask me. I saw the questions. I'm trying to answer these um, in the moment, per se. So obviously, uh, obviously, I looked at some of them, but I didn't go crazy. And so it, didn't sound, it doesn't sound like a scripted answer. Um, behind each question is a person that's asking them. I okayed it with them. So we'll give them a little shout out for fucking participating because it's really nice to have your friends... Um, your friends, followers, and people you respect participate in, your, in the stuff that you're really interested in. So I'll let uh, F- Philip 
and I can't even say it. It makes me want to throw up. Did you hear me? I was like, Bring your lip. Nope. Lip is fine. Lip, lip. You I piece think we of stick shit. with Felipe. That's your name. You know where you were born. Yeah. Well, Montoya. Yeah. We got a lot of questions to get. Okay. Through, oh, so. sorry. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. So well, let's get after it. He, he gave you the go ahead. Your Colombian brother. Philip. Come on. <laughs> well, the first question is asked by Javier the Bat Wayne. Mm. Strongman versus powerlifter. Who's stronger? Who's healthier? And who's more badass? Okay. Wow. Can somebody bring me a pen here? I take notes. Uh, my assistant, young Megan. Can you find me a pen? Thank you so much. Um, okay, great questions. Oh, I got one. Never mind. No, you know what? It's good for you. No, I don't want you to lose practice of getting things. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so what I really want to really touch base on. First of all, Javier, the Bat, the bat Wayne, uh, he's going to compete in Miami's Baddest Man. Thank you for – he's always been a great, great supporter. And actually has come a long way in his strongman career working with Davis, uh, who's a pro strongman up in, uh, in Broward. So shout out to you, man. It was a good question. I did see this. Um, and he's, he's now in the 231 class, the only class that matters. And uh, he's going to do, you know, good stuff. So here we go. <laughs> strongman versus powerlifter. Now, I have a, Vinny's one of our powerlifters, so you can chime in as well. I always make fun of powerlifters because it's just what I do. I make fun of everything and everyone. So who's stronger? Um, I sat down. I remember Vinny was there for this one. I sat down with, with actually with Donnie Thompson, and I told Donnie Thompson that strong men are stronger than powerlifters. And he said in his voice, Viking, but powerlifters do do uh, max strength, and that is true strength. I'm like, Ugh, okay. So he's got a point. When it comes to maximal strength and pushing the limits of those particular three lifts, at its peak of what can go the heaviest, in that essence, in those three lifts, I believe that powerlifters are some of the strongest human beings in the world in those particular three lifts and in general. Now, what defines strength? If it is the ability to be really strong in these um, static lifts against uh, in the maximal strength with rules and particular, even gear, it doesn't really matter. It's still really, really, really heavy. Then, yes, I believe powerlifting is going to be extremely good in the sense of strength. In my opinion, strength is to be the ability to move any object in any direction for any distance or any weight at any given time in any fashion. That is, to me, true strength, even in the philosophical sense. And to me, the only sport that represents that directly is strongman. So who would I say is the stronger athlete in general? I would say strongman. It doesn't mean that there's not some powerlifters out there who are a lot stronger than some strongman. Um, but to me, the general ability to adapt to any situation. And in strongman, for some of you guys that don't know, there is max lift and max effort. There is max deadlift. Very rarely in the squat because it's so taxing. There is max pressing. There is max throwing or max distance carrying when you're pushing the body to a limit, even in just maximal strength. So you'll see that. Um, and one thing I always say that I always mean is that, and it'll make people sassy, but for the most part it's true unless you're very athletic. That a strongman can be a powerlifter any day of the week, but a powerlifter cannot be a strongman any day of the week. Um, obviously, Vinny, if you want to take the, the, the lanes, and Vinny, one of us is a very, very strong 140, I forgot USAP. I don't speak, I don't speak 148, clean. 148, depending on which federation I'm in. The Wilkes is what? What is it now? It's upward almost 448 right now. Okay, so Wilkes is really what powerlifting is about, so it's very important. And a 448 Wilkes for a male at that level is extremely good. And he's top 10 in the nation right now? I don't know. I haven't looked. Uh, I don't well, like the He's look. too humble. <laughs> Either way, uh, so for me to say that, you know, for me as a strong man, I'm going to be this strong or whatever. 
and it's powerlifters aren't as strong as strongmen. Uh, for the most part, it varies. Obviously, it's very subjective. Who the f was that? My neighbor doing that shit? Yeah. Decided to move tables on a fucking Saturday. Doesn't matter. Whatever. That's the raw essence of the Battle Axe podcast, right? Anyways, um, so Vinny, if you do chime in after this, I'll um, I'll, I'll do that. The next question was, who's healthier? <laughs> I'll answer this very easily. There is nobody who is great and who wants to be great and the best in the sport that's healthy. I don't care if you play fucking golf. I don't care if you do darts, rugby, powerlifting, strongman. If you want to be the best in the world, you are not healthy. You're just really good at your sport. So that's period. I believe that strongman has a stigma of being unhealthy, but I believe that comes from a disease of bad ideas that I will talk about in the future. Um, but both sports, any sport, period, can be unhealthy. That's a fact. Who's more badass? Oh, it's easy. Strongman. Anyways, Vinny, you want to... <laughs> I'll keep this short and brief. Um, and I think I'm going to throw some people off with this answer as it goes. Who's stronger? I'd say my strength came from like that farm boy strength. I worked construction with my dad since I was probably 12, 13 years old. And a lot of it is strongman oriented. I was carrying five gallon buckets filled with water, sand, stone to pick up weird implements is night and day to a perfect barbell. So because I could move a shit ton of stone or pick up a fucking log or, you know, move a wheelbarrow filled with concrete, picking up a deadlift on a regular barbell is just easy. Um, obviously I would love to say powerlifters, but I think his quote of a strong man can be a powerlifter, a powerlifter can't necessarily be a strong man. I'd have to agree with him. Um, it kicks my ass when he puts in the strongman training at the end of a Saturday shift. And, you know, up. I just look across, <laughs> see where he is smiling. At Flip, his what do you think? You're a I'm not, I didn't mean not to mention Flip because Flip is also a powerlifter and has pushed great limits and has come a long way as well. So it wasn't that I was going to negate that. I just really wanted uh, to mention one at a time. So Flip, obviously, you're well, inside, yeah. I, I guess the biggest difference that I've noticed in both sports picking one up, picking the other one up. And obviously there's elite level athletes that can transfer and, and you know, do great things. But strongman is a very mental sport, meaning you have to be very mentally disciplined to push or allow yourself to push limits and boundaries that are uncomfortable. For example, uh, max distance or max time, stuff that you just don't encounter in powerlifting. And I think that that mental strength, that mental grit is what, in my opinion, would make the strongman stronger. I agree. Uh, what's up, guys? SJ, Nate, I'm live right now. Um, lunch, what's going on? Nate Pastrana, Florida Strongest Man. Good to see you, bud. Uh, we're going live right now on Instagram, so I'm saying hi to all these guys. If you guys want to ask us any questions, by all means, now is the time. We will give you a little shout-out. Really cool to see you guys supporting us. Um, so I'm really biased. So some of the questions you're going to hear, some of them are about sport, obviously. Some of them are about life, um, a little bit more. Some of them are silly. Um, I think it's great. What's up, Tough Dog? That's cool. <laughs> Look at all these people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the mental limits of strongman, uh, sometimes I think that the powerlifting line is, it's easy to draw the line in the sand because you have control of those attempts. And strongman, you see the line in the sand, and your job is to absolutely run past it. And it takes a certain individual to push those lines of death because the sport is real. Now, that being said, um, what's up, Gerbs? Uh, that being said, Powerlifting to do a one rep max is fucking scary. And sometimes doing reps for a minute at a sub-maximal weight, even though it's heavy, is a lot less scary and a lot less nerve-wracking than only knowing you have one chance. So on that mental status, I can't say that one is more uh, 
it has more fortitude and the other more discipline or anything like that or crazier per se. Uh, I think the only thing really happens is that 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 particular line it blurs so much for both sports at a top level. I think it's a very scary human being that can go into those dark waters. Um, so I'm gonna, I can literally talk the whole show about that. I just don't. I want people to understand that there is a certain uh, as you get at the beginning of any sport, just like most beginners at any sport are a lot alike. The middle ground, the middle type athlete is the gray area. Those are the guys that typically talk the most shit and don't do anything and think they're the best. Those guys are very different. And then the elite all are kind of the same too. So at the beginning of a sport, at the end of a sport, you're going to notice a lot of similarities between these people. Um, and it's kind of one of these things. Oh, Alan Colley. Hi, Alan. Iron House Gym. The strongest, strongest gym in Florida. Uh, and I think that that's, that's very important to, to kind of understand that. So uh, let's, let's visit the next question, and I'll check out this live feed real quick. So next question comes from Papa Swole. <laughs> How can one MDLP be so beautiful? Ah, well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, that question is an enigma because we don't know the answer to that question. Uh, Papa Swole, Ryan, um, good buddy of mine, uh, trains with Heath up there. And he's going to, he's coming back from a lot of injuries. He's like me. We've been to a lot of sports that fuck us up. And here we are at 33, being assholes. How am I so sexy? I don't know. I think it's my dimples and my, uh, my rapist wits. So <laughs> hope that you guys understand that. I am, it's really humility that makes this fucking machine go, Papa. It's really being humble. Let's skip that question because we're about to break the internet. Um, but good question. Again, that's hilarious. Thank you guys. I love that shit. El Toro Fuerte asks, between your career as a lifter and a fighter, could you go over what you think the differences are in weight cuts for either sport? What do you think is the best way to go about doing those weight cuts? And lastly, what is the maximum amount of weight a male and female should cut prior to competition? Mm, good question. Sorry, I'm just copying down a question here from Nate. Um, so... Neil is also another good, strong man. He's been a buddy of mine. Uh, Total Strength Systems up in uh, Melbourne, I believe. Um, so thanks a lot for that question. Uh, yes, I am 33 years old. Somebody asked me on the, on the live feed. I know I look 87, but it's just a beard. So good question. So when it comes to this particular thing, uh, when it comes to cutting weight, choosing weight, and all that stuff, the weight cuts for either sport, hmm. I believe that it's, it, you have to really divide the line of what, what is the performance you're trying to uh, do? What is it demanding? If you're powerlifting, you can get away with a little bit more of a cut because there is less stress on the heart because uh, you're only doing nine lifts, although they're max effort. You're not going to do this five, six-hour cardiovascular kind of system where it's a little bit more controlled, per se. A fight uh, is not controlled. You have somebody trying to hurt you. You have somebody trying to do, although you have a game plan, just like Tyson says, you have a fucking game plan till you get punched in the mouth. So you can do everything you plan and you might break a foot. I broke my foot in one of the fights. I cracked it twice. And you plan the fight not to be hurt. But once you break your foot, then I, once I broke my foot, I couldn't kick with that leg. And as much as you have all these predictions for it, it just doesn't go that way. So fighting in that sense uh, cutting weight, although you have the 24 hours, it wasn't always so. When I first started fighting, it was only a two-hour weigh-in. Um, I believe that if you can cut it properly, both strength sports and fighting are very similar because you're, being, you're pushing the body to the limit. The big difference is the barbell 
and the strongman implements are don't hit you back in the face as much as you think they do, but they don't. In fighting, it's the same thing. It's unpredictable. They can hit you in the liver constantly. You can be internally bleeding, brain damage, knocked down, broken bones, and those things are extra stressors to the body. And if you had a heavy cut, you're already going in there banged up. So that's the biggest difference for me, in my opinion, amongst many other ones, but we'll, we'll keep it relatively simple. Um, what do you think is the best way about about doing weight cuts, uh, I believe that that's uh, subjective. I believe everyone is different. Anyone that tells you that it's the same for everybody uh, is wrong. I hate to say that, but you're wrong. Uh, it takes a lot of trial and error. It takes wisdom, experience, and I believe you have to know the lifter, their comebacks. Do they have any particular health issues? Are they female? Are they male? When's their period? Are they bloated? Do they retain water? Do they have some sort of heart issues? Uh, it's very, very important that you sit down with your lifter, your coach, whatever, and discuss how far are they willing to go? I mean, I know when you're in those last three pounds, you are basically dying. You're pulling the water out of your organs, and you're fucking dying. And that's what you feel like, and it's dangerous, and it's, it's actually clinically the worst thing you can do to your body in many ways. Uh, so you have to tell, ask that person, are you willing to go that far to make weight? And if you're cutting this much weight, is it because you're going to be a world champion or you want to hashtag it on your stupid Instagram so somebody DMs you and tells you how cool you are, but you're really an idiot? So... Uh, it's very important to differentiate what your goals are in that essence. Uh, but there are some general templates. I know Brian Carroll has one, Chris Duffin. A lot of these guys have uh, uh, general things so that you can follow and be healthy and understand these concepts. So um, that's one. And then the last question is a thick one. That's what she said. Um, what is the maximum amount of weight a male and female should cut? Uh, anything over 10% is extremely dangerous. So have I done more than 10%? Yes. The most weight I've ever cut is 26 pounds. Uh, and that was rough and I did it a few times and the last time I was peeing like fucking root beer And that was the last time I ever cut that much weight. It was extremely dangerous I had uh, water retention. I bloated for the first time in my life My feet were the size of footballs and I decided that I needed to make a change in my, I was older I was already 31 32. I'd been cutting weight since I was 21 a bad idea. You do get better at it you, Mostly you just get mentally stronger uh, women a little different. Women retain water a little bit more due to the fact that they can become pregnant um, and they hold more body fat. So I believe that for women, it's more of a diet starting further out. Uh, also, they carry less muscle mass. Typically, there's some fucking ripped chicks out there. Natural or not natural, whether you have all these muscles or not is a big difference. So that has to come into play, too. So I would say that a female at the most, 6 to 8%, although I've, I've seen more than that, and guys, anything more than 10%. You're dancing with the devil. And 10% is like, you have to be experienced. Um, I know, Vinny, you've cut weight a few times um, in the past. For me, I err on the side of less. I mean, 10% for me is probably going to be more detrimental. Oh, I try bye. to stay 5% um, as close to my competition weights as possible just because I don't want my leverages to change that drastic. Um, and for me, I've never really had to do... A bad weight cut I can really get away with just messing with my nutrition a little and you know I'll I'll hit my mark um, but that's discipline so if you're not really in love with it yeah bro. and you want to suffer in a sauna by all means but we're gonna see what happens this year too because you know I'm back on the pudding so we'll see what kind of weight cut comes for a battle of the bay when I when I tell people too is that um be very careful what weight cutting and losing weight is one of them is because you got to stop being a fat piece of shit and the other one is you're cutting weight to maximize your performance. I would recommend that there's a lot of literature you should take upon 
as a coach, especially because now you're playing with somebody's life, but as an athlete, because you shouldn't be so stupid that you trust your, your life with somebody without giving them proper guidelines. So cutting weight uh, is very popular now for some reason. Uh, and I think that it's very trendy to cut weight for no reason, just so, you know, you have this kind of badge of fucking honor that, oh, I cut weight. I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. You didn't cut weight. You took a big poop and you lost three pounds. Uh, but when you start getting the five, six percentages, I think it's very important that you differentiate that stuff. So I'm going to take this one question that we got asked here by uh, Nate Pastrana or Chase underscore California on Instagram. If you want to look him up, he won Florida Strong Expanded 231. Me and Nate have been basically the same time period doing Strongman at 231. We've been through some battles together. So shout out to you, brother. Um, he asks, and it's a good question. I like it. Uh, do you regret going so hard or did it make you better for long-term success? I would be, uh, I would lie to you if I tell you I didn't have regrets. Anybody who tells you they don't have any regrets, in my opinion, is a fucking liar or a coward. I do regret a lot of things. Uh, I, re I regret a lot of times where I should have went home. I regret a lot of times where I was going to bed so banged up I couldn't move. And I know it sounds cool, but... They, they weren't good choices. They were just me being stubborn and arrogant is what it was. It was arrogance. I thought that if I went to bed hurting, that it would justify a bad training session. And you need to write that down because a lot of us will beat ourselves into the ground because we had a bad training session and we justify that. And then we hang out with other people who have these weak mindsets because in, one, in essence, it is kind of weakness to do these things. Um, and it's, it's, it's shitty, and I regret that. I regret uh, those decisions in the sense that those decisions eventually led me and took away my life. It took away the love of my life, and it put me in such a bad mood that I didn't want to be alive. And I regret that. Do I regret not going to parties and not drinking and getting into fights with people and being distant from people? I'll be honest with you, not for a single second. I don't regret shit. I dedicated the last 11 years of my life to sport, and uh, I haven't gone on a lot of vacations. Um, I, you know, how many nights have we gotten home, and I don't talk to my girlfriend, I don't call my mom, I'm such a bad mood, and or I'm hurting, or I could have spent $3,000 going to fucking Vegas, but instead I spent $3,000 on everything else to go to Nats. But I regret nothing, because that is exactly what has made me who I am, and those are the people that really love their sport. And I, I'll tell you the truth that I really love this sport and I love competing. So I regret nothing, I, nothing, not in that sense. I do regret my bad training decisions that led me to where I'm at now. But um, it would be, it, I, I want to tell the truth about that. I think it's important to tell you guys that I do regret some things in my training. I do regret some decisions and certain lifts that I shouldn't have done. Um, yeah, I do regret that. But it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because those decisions that were bad decisions made me a better coach and all that stuff. And yes, you know, you can say, I don't lose, but I learn all these stupid-ass memes I see sometimes. I just want to punch my screen, but I'm trying to be mindful, right, guys? I'm trying to be mindful <laughs> so I don't throw my phone. But I believe that those are uh, there to make people positive, but the reality is that I, I, I do have a lot of training regrets. Uh, I can't tell, even in fighting, I mean, I can't tell you how many fucking concussions <laughs> I kept fighting through, and uh, I know they had prices, and those are kind of training regrets, but at the same time, there are this weird, masochistic, stupid pride into being uh, really excited that, you know, okay, I have brain damage at 50, and I won't remember my name, and I want to tell you the truth, a part of me is like, that's so stupid, and a part of me is like, fuck yeah, that's how I'm going to go, you know, but... 
I'm not a normal person. Anybody who wants to be the best at something is not a normal person. Any high-level athlete are not normal. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had the luxury of standing with some of the best in the world. They're not on the same level. They don't talk the same. They don't act the same. Uh, they're different. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Nate. Um, it's kind of a mixed question because there's a lot of mixed emotions and there's a lot of funky-ass shit that goes along with that question. Um, but uh, what's up, Big? Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a big, big one. So I'll let the next question know if you guys want to chime in or shoot into the next one on that one. Regrets I, is a big thing. Apologize if I butcher this name. Next question comes from Paul Oneid. Paul Oneid. Question for you slash article idea for the future. What kind of things have you been doing to correct overhead position to limit slash decrease lumbar arch? Oof. Technical question. Write this down. Overhead pressers in the room. Um, so overhead pressing. So let's get a little bit away from the series. That's a good question. Paul Donit is a PRS teammate of mine. I've recently been sponsored by PRS Power Rack System. That's Brian Carroll. So shout out to my teammates. Uh, Paul is one of the few powerlifters that is bringing back the overhead press for powerlifting, which we've done in this gym for about six years. If you're not overhead pressing, uh, you're wrong. Uh, I'm going to tell you that frankly. I don't care what sport you do. Uh, I know there's the big three, but I believe there's also the big four, which is I believe the strict press is a better sign of strength than the bench press, um, and it's a better developer of strength. That being said, the reason why you should bench if you're a powerlifter is because it's one of your fucking lifts. Um, but if you want to increase everything else in your life, you will overhead press. That being said, as far as technique and stuff, I think it comes to cues and positioning, just like the squat, the deadlift, the everything movement you do, any throw, any run, it's technique. I would always start with your feet and your hands. You plant your feet, you squeeze your butt, you squeeze your quads, you tuck in your lats just like a bench, you make sure you're in an upright position, and when you press, you don't lead with the arch, you simply engage the upper body in the lat like a, like a bench. You're not trying to arch the low back, it's just trip, it's triple extension or what they call thoracic extension, which is a very natural movement, and then you press overhead. And this is very important. Know when to stop pressing. I herniated my L203 to fucking pieces because all those sticking points right above my eye where I should have been like, okay, I'll call it. I'll save that for competition. I pushed through it. And I pushed through that with 315 pounds, 320 pounds, 330 pounds, 285 pounds for five, six, seven years, thousands of repetitions. And that eventually will crush your disc. And I promise you, it sucks dick. So you have to know when to save that position every once in a while for competition only or if you're a powerlifter there's no reason why you should be fighting through that sticking point consistently because it's going to damage you and you are not a strong man you don't need to know that particular range of motion at those things you can prove your toughness but i promise you the cost to benefit ratio or is the juice worth the squeeze is not fucking worth it um, and that's very important film yourself make sure you're cued in good posture Know the difference between a push press and a front rack and an actual military and strict press. Do your research. Um, again, if you're not adding the overhead or strict press or any kind of overhead movement, whether overhead carries, overhead walks, shoulder press, single shoulder press, anything like that, uh, I think you're wrong and you need to reevaluate your training. Um, so, in your face. <laughs> that was a good one. I felt good about that. You like that? Huh? So, in your face. Yeah, I don't know. I felt really strong about that. You take notes over there? I got a live studio audience here, guys. Talking to people. It's like Full House. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> awesome. 
All I need is my dog and this piece of shit fucking pudding. Apparently building a fucking stand of pipes around my fucking gym. But whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'll talk to him later. About his name. All right. So the next question is from a gym local, Rebecca, mm. who asks a, two, a two-part question. Uh, part A, how did you pick strongman as your sport? And the second part, what paradigm shift has your current endeavors brought you to your sport, strongman, mentally and emotionally? Ugh, I hate that they use the term paradigm because I feel like a little confused and I get angry about it. Uh, it's like when you use the word juxtapose with me. Look, Papa, <laughs> I went to school. It's not. It's a moose. Let me tell you something. You remember. Don't use big words with me because you don't think I get them, but because you're using them, I'm getting mad now. Like, you know, I know what you're doing. You're trying to confuse me because I look like some fucking cabron that doesn't do anything, read books. You're like, juxtapose. You're like, oh, see, I'm mad not because I don't know what juxtapose means, but because you're using that shit to... Okay, I'm sorry. You guys understand where I'm coming from, okay? From the streets. Um, <laughs> how, did, uh, how did I pick strong manager sport? Okay, um... I think the how is going to be defined as why, obviously, too. I grew up watching it, just like the rest of us in this room. Magnus for Magnuson was my favorite strongman of all time. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and it was something that was always in the back of my mind, like rugby and everything else. I dedicated my life to fighting. I was a fighter. I, uh, I slept it. I dreamt it. All I thought about was about fucking people up, and that was my life. And I was not allowed to do any other sports because I don't understand what taking it easy is and I'd get hurt playing soccer and climbing and writing I was all I did with, with my life was to make myself a better fighter so all these sports that I wanted to do growing up rugby that I'd seen on tv and strongman when I stopped fighting I decided that I was going to do it um why did I choose strongman I felt like it was the only other sport that would fulfill that void that fighting had left I picked up fighting because I wanted to prove that I was a man that I could face so another man in the ring as individuals as warriors and we could fuck each other up and that i would be left standing and then if i didn't that i would be a, i would go out as a warrior and that was kind of a personal thing it was just the way i was i wanted to prove that i could to myself and of course to my friends and family nothing fulfilled it i did powerlifting first i think honestly yeah oh no i had already done a strongman competition but i forgot it gets hazy but I've done a lot of sports, and I really feel that it is important um, to know that the reason why I got into the fighting, I needed to fulfill that. I needed some sort of emotional barrier, um, and strongman was the only thing to come close. I felt like the last rep or the last five seconds of max reps fulfilled that that last bit of a ring where you're just fighting for your life, literally, in your you're throwing these, these I mean, your fists, your hands, and all these things, and I tried my best. Um, and I feel that strongman is the closest thing to it. Rugby being very close, um, but I am who I am. I hate sharing the limelight. I like to be a fucking champion, and I don't like to say I won. I fucking hate saying we won. I won. Also, I like to say that I lost, and I like to take those responsibilities and those kicks in the dicks, dicks, because I have three dicks, um, and I like to take that responsibility. So that's kind of how I chose strongman as my sport uh, to fulfill that void that I think a lot of us have, and maybe it'll never get filled, um, but at least I'll try. What paradigm shift has your current endeavors brought you to sports, strongman, mentally, emotionally? Um, has brought to your sports, strongman, mentally? That's kind of a loaded question, I would say. Um, I believe the easiest answer for me um, 
is really about uh, experience and wisdom. Experience and wisdom, um, and that particular—I don't want to use injury as the shift, but it most certainly was. Uh, prior to that, was a chase for courage. It was arrogance. It was narcissism. I believe if you watched the Eddie Hall uh, documentary, he talks a lot about narcissism. Uh, I think it's a, to a point, uh, but. I think those those shifts in, in, in the concept of those to me it's never a physical thing. It's always been an emotional I'm a very I'm Colombian, so I'm super dramatic and I'm very emotional, obviously. So it's always been things that are not tangible. Um so that's kind of what's brought that sport. Um sport of strong man mentally emotional. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I'm not gonna go too much into that one. Uh but that was a really good question as far as that one is concerned. So that's it. Gonna bring this next question back to MDLP. Uh, this one comes from Pat Wilson. Pat, how did you get your beard so sexy? <laughs> question mark exclamation point. Oh. Thank you guys for giving me the good question. The blood of innocent children. <laughs> Babies. Next question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, we're here with the Beard Strong podcast and the Bearded Villain Boys. So shout out to my to my uh, adopted family and my cousins because you're all my cousins now inherently. Because my the leader, so uh, yeah, we made it, mom. I would fucking uh, so yeah, get yourself a good barber. Listen, okay, I've made two hundred videos on YouTube. <laughs> is video, sports clips a barber? Yeah, that, <laughs> they do have video Please games. Please advise, cuts, Please advise, kids cuts because they got video games and like cartoons on. That's oh my lord, man! There's, I'm gonna run out of batteries. Um, no, it's not. By the way. Please get my barber's information. Mo the barber, shout out. But um, get yourself a good fucking barber. Oh, I was going back to YouTube. I have 200 videos on YouTube. Talking about life, training, what you do. For, you know which video has the most views? I have 30,000 views on how to take care of your beard. <laughs> That's what I'll be remembered for, Papa. <laughs> but like, that nigga MDLP? Oh, the dude with the 30,000 views on the beard thing? Yeah, that's him. R.I.P. Beard Tombstone. I'm like, come here, pinga, bro. All the shit I've done for humanity. Fuck charity. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's like a whole video I did, like, literally about three or four years ago about taking care of my beard. Uh, get yourself a good barber. Uh, make sure that you consistent. Consist I can't believe I'm answering this question. This is going to be the most popular question on the show. Uh, <laughs> I was going to repeat this one question. You always... Like, you, down. Always comb it in the same direction because when you go left to right, you're actually training your hair to go the opposite way. So that's actually true. Get yourself good product. Um, I don't believe, I believe that, um, oh yeah, Capo's beard oil and Pulpo beard oil. Those are great. Uh, seriously, those are two products that I use consistently as my homies. Um, uh, get yourself product. There is nothing manly all the time about not thinking, taking care of yourself. I get it. Some of you motherfuckers out there, unless you're fucking literally killing deer with your teeth, shut the fuck up. Don't tell me some shit about, oh, bro, you, you, you trimming your beard again? I'm like, yeah, sh shut your mouth, all right? Shut your mouth. You don't even live, you live in Miami. You're not tough, okay? You're not wilderness guy. You go in your fucking SUV, your 4x4, and you kill a deer, and you come back to your air-conditioned house. Um, and they kill their deer with their 4x4, not a gun. Yeah, exactly. Like, they hit it crossing truck. the road. By the way, just to touch some shit up, Vikings were some of the most attentive to their look culture ever, ever in the history. They were one of the only cultures, if you want to get really hardcore, Viking, which is really what you describe them, but Scandinavian people. 
They washed every week. They invented soap. They had beard combs. They braided their hair. They wore beads. They dyed their teeth. They were very much into looking good. Also, Native American warrior cultures, many of the men would actually go back into their, their teepees and tents and huts, change into the best clothes when they would go to die because they would meet death looking the best that they could. So if somehow you think it's unmanly to look good because you want to face death looking like a motherfucking badass, then you're an idiot. So write that shit down. Do some history books. Some of the most warrior cultures in the world paid attention not only to what they looked like, what they smelled like, how they acted, what they dressed like, the colors they wore, the sparring cultures, all those people that everyone looks up to. It's like, wow, man. And then somebody takes care of themselves. Oh, that's so unmanly. Shut up. Okay, I'm going to look good. I don't really know how to change my oil, but I'll try my best, but I'll look good when I face death. So write that shit down. Anyways, comb that shit in the same direction. Wash that shit. It's faced on your hair. Don't be a disgusting piece of shit. Get some good product on there. And my cousin says that all the time. Um, no, beard, beards are not fucking unkept. Just get in there, comb it, same direction. Um, and that's how I get my beard super sexy because I really have pretty amazing beard. Also, I grew this before. It was cool. Let me throw that out there. I don't know if you guys know, but I had this beard like six years ago. You remember? You I remember. remember. Yeah, remember. Um, I, I, man, you remember. I know you remember. <laughs> my, artists, my live studio audience members. Oh, man, I'm so low on battery. Um, thanks, Lou. Talking about me looking good. Thanks, Master Lou. OG strong man right there on our live feed. Um, I got a silly question. Uh, Miguel Angel Sanchez. What are the primary steps on becoming an incredibly strong baby rhino? First of all, if you're not over 231, you can't be a baby rhino, so stop. Baby rhino. Baby rhino. Because there's some grown-ass rhinos in this room. Fuck you guys. Uh, it's a silly question, but if you want to ask me how you want to become as strong as I am, uh, you play a lot of Call of Duty. Make sure that you prestige twice, um, because if not, you're an idiot. Uh, three times is too much, so relax. If you get to the level... Relax. You eat a lot of cereal. I love cereal. Um, why do you eat a lot of cereal, MJP? Just to ask that question. <laughs> I know why you did this. First of all, cereal is one of the greatest foods in the world. Okay? Not only on flavor, but just practicality. Number two, they are enriched carbohydrates. Count chocolate too, right? Uh, well, you know what? That's a very Colombian <laughs> Not all cereal. cereals are created equal. That's so Hispanic of you, Philip. Thank you. Um, that's so great. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. In actuality, I sat with Trevor Cashy. Trevor Cashy is one of the, actually one of the sharpest, most successful nutritionists in the world. He actually worked with Russian Olympians. Um, and I went to a seminar uh, three years ago, and he mentioned that eating cereal, although it has such a bad reputation, if timed correctly, including the carbohydrate and sugar account, is going to... Uh, is going to is one of the best carbohydrates you can actually have. They're enriched with minerals and vitamins... Four children. So you are eating a cereal that has vitamin A and all this shit, plus it has the basic sugar and vitamin, uh, vitamin count. So that's a little science for you guys. Sci it's, it's when people go and have like six bowls of cereal and they're fat. And they're like, cereal sucks. Well, no shit. It's because you're fat and you're giving cereal a bad name. Um, and I don't mean fat like fat. I mean fat. Like fat. Um, thank you, brother. Thank no, you for this assistance, bro. No, no, not P-H-A-T. That's, that's me. I'm thick fit. <laughs> Fluffy fit. Huh? My new thing is going to be fit chick hashtags. <laughs> Did you guys see my short, short RDLs? The look sweat, back? Sweat I broke the internet. 
Megan, can you check? <laughs> wow. Can you check? <laughs> She's watching the sunset right now. <laughs> uh, mini wheats, uh, Jillian, incredible. I think that the number one cereal is Frosted Flakes, Fruity Pebbles. Uh, those are my top two. Everything else after that is just free range, amazing. Cocoa Puffs, Master Lou, of course. I just said that. Okay, I had a hybrid. I was talking about it. I got, I got uh, distracted. I had a hybrid. <laughs> Lucky Charm Frosted Flakes Hybrid. One box. One box, one man, one bowl, one spoon. <laughs> Bro, I almost lost my shit. Two girls, one cup. Sploosh. It was ridiculous. Fruit Loops are incredible. Incredible. Like, you guys, I mean, I'm not saying these other ones are not good. I'm just saying Frosted Flakes happens to be my favorite. And when I say it's my favorite, it's probably the best cereal in the world. Um, and then Fruity Pebbles. But Fruity Pebbles leaves that weird film on the top of your mouth. I don't know what that film is. It's probably some sort of weird shit, but I'm like, uh, I'll go in there, like I'm like, it's worth it. That's what she said. It's worth it. Um, so good question uh, as far as that. Can't believe I went that far with the fucking question. Um, so I think we that hits up all the questions we had asked at the top, right? Mm-hmm. There's one at the bottom that we'll ask. You guys can ask. So what I was telling the boys before is that there were some questions here um, that were asked of me over time, and there are questions that have been asked a few times by people on email. I want to explain to you guys that my life is pretty fucking awesome when I get a text and a DM from people across the world, not only telling me that they appreciate the, the stuff that I put out there, which is, I don't know, it's very humbling. Um, it's pretty breathtaking. I don't mean that like in a funny way. It really is. But I get these questions from them asking me. Some people ask me about business. They ask me about um, personal stuff that they've experienced. And some of these are the questions that I've been asked several times, but it's not so personal that you know, it's going to make it a little awkward. I mean, that it already is because I always make things a little awkward. Uh, so one of the questions is, um, and I've been asked this and I've been talked about a lot, a lot of things. Uh, what is leadership to you and can all people lead or be leaders? And I believe that I'm going to get some chime-ins from this because it's great. Um, leadership to me, I, I mentioned this in a, um, I call them Insta snaps, but they're Insta stories, I guess. Leadership to me is the commitment to failing with grace. And if I I thought about this question because it was very hard for me, how can I simplify that? Um, It is learning to fail with grace because when you agree to be a leader, you will always lose more than you win. And that is a fact. Uh, Whenever you accept a leadership role, when you accept it, if you made it on your own, like having a kid, idiot, but if you have a kid and stuff like that, you, you created that choice for yourself, you're kind of stuck with that, but it doesn't matter. You must accept that you will always lose more than you win. If you cannot do that, if you cannot understand that you are going to lose way more than you win, you are going to make a very poor leader. You're going to make a poor coach. You're going to make a poor father. You're going to make a poor brother, whatever, sister, whatever. It doesn't matter. CEO, you know that if you have 100 chances to improve somebody, you're going to lose 80. But those 20 are incredible. The quality of those, those 20 chances, those 20 changes are going to be insane. Um, and that you are there to serve. It's very important. People get lost in this arrogance of leadership that somehow the people they lead owe them something. Um, and that's, that's something that we've lost over time. I believe that a lot of us have gotten confused with what leadership is because we believe that success is leadership. So we see successful people, millionaires, uh, musicians, athletes were like, oh man, these are leaders because they've been told to us by society that they're leaders. 
When in actuality, they're just people who are successful. It has nothing to do with leadership. Typically, leadership is not very monetarily successful. You happen to just get lucky and put them together. Um, so that's what I would say is that, that accepting to lose with grace. There's a, we can literally have an entire fucking podcast on leadership. And there has been thousands of books written on leadership. Um, and I promise you that I understand all those things. And I've read a lot of these things. And I've talked to great leaders. And I've stood, I've stood on the shoulder of giants. But it boils down to what gets you up in the morning, even on a bad day. And it's accepting that you're going to lose more than you're going to win. It's learning to love that process. It's learning to love it. Because you know that the one time you helped that person is worth all the losses in the world. And if you can't accept that, then it doesn't matter how many fucking books you read, how many people you met, how many seminars you went to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're going to always lose more. And if you're winning a lot and you're constantly being surrounded by success, either you're A, very lucky or you're surrounded by liars. So look out. Um, and can all people be leaders? <laughs> I actually came up, I was talking about this last night. Vinny, I had a conversation about this. Flip, uh, Philip. Uh, and I said one quote. I don't know. I'm going to run with it. And you guys can run with it too. Um, I think anyone can be a leader, but only a few people were born to lead. And I want you to write that down because that was like fucking tattooed in my brain. Anyone can be a leader, but very few people were born to lead. And I know there's the nature-nurture argument about this. Uh, I think a lot of us, when we're young, we don't have leadership qualities. We were picked on uh, or, or just very quiet, whatever. And then suddenly you're in a successful scenario. Now you're a manager. Well, you're a fucking leader now. So, and now you're forced either to run with the fucking wolves and, and lead and learn and read and educate yourself. Or you're going to get fired. So what happens? You become a fucking leader. Or you're 16 and you fuck up and you got a kid. Well, guess what, bro? You're, you're a dad and you're a mom now. You got to lead. So anyone can be a fucking leader. Or you get a dog. Smarter move, idiots. Uh, but when it comes to being born to lead, there are certain people who have a genetic ability, whether it's, it's actually a chemical response. It actually goes deeper than just assumption of charisma and shit like that. But there were certain levels like serotonin levels and things like neurological responses, certain parts of your brain that are responding during difficult situations, how they're being put under pressure. They study these people. Some people genetically will respond better or have the capability to be better leaders. That's just fucking science. Whether they become leaders or not, there's always the nurture argument. You know, there's always the guys that will go out there and read all the fucking books and will become managers and will train harder and will be the best leader ever compared to the guy who's genetically gifted, just like sports. Sometimes the harder working athlete is gonna outdo the genetically gifted one. That's a fact. But if you both have the genetic traits to do it and you train hard to do it, that's just the way it is. Um, uh, that's actually, and it, it does, somebody had mentioned something about alpha or something like that. Uh, yes, but alpha doesn't always, again, alpha, you should really refer to what we said before. Alpha is about losing. It's about eating last. So I want you to take note of that. If you're an alpha and you think you should eat first, not that you are per se, but if you're an alpha and you think you should eat first, you're fucking wrong. If you're a leader and you think you should be eating first, you're fucking wrong too. Um, and there's a misconception. So uh, again, I'll repeat this one statement because I really think it's important for us to, to, to really drive that home is that anyone can be a fucking leader. Uh, just some people were born to lead. And you can take that metaphorically, philosophically, whatever, genetically, scientifically, but there were some people that are going to be born to lead and should be pushed in that position. But I think, I really think 
that anyone can fucking lead. And by saying that, uh, you should really be putting yourself in situations where you're responsible for something. And I think it's very important. I will continue the leadership subject. Uh, a quote that I really like, and you can write this down if you choose to, um, no task is too small and you're never too great for any task. Mm. So don't put yourself on that pedestal, but don't ever think something is so minute that it doesn't mean anything because it may mean nothing to you, but it could be the world to someone else. Um, and outside of the gym, I'm actually in a leadership role. Um, I work for Baptist Health. I am a leader of 19 wonderful individuals who pushed me to my leadership limits. And I had to reach out to actually my brothers by iron uh, recently because some feedback that was given to me is just what Mike said. I need to learn how to lose, but gracefully. Um, I have to just shut up and listen sometimes. And I can't always be so hell bent on winning. Um, learning is the key to being a good leader. Once you stop learning, I think you, you just become stagnant at that point and you may not further your leadership career. So the advice that was given to me was, you know, be quiet, listen, um, listen to what they have to say. They may not be right, but you don't have to get the last word. Just take what they're saying and how can you learn from that and give it to your team, give it to your teammates. Yep. Flip. I guess building on that, um, I'd probably say that, you know, the whole no task being too small. I think one thing that's overlooked and I think maybe due to arrogance is, you know, you have to learn who you're leading. You have to learn them on a personal level just because they're under you or they may hold, you know, less salary or whatever in whatever setting you are, they're under you. That doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't important for you to learn who that person is, what makes that person tick, what do they respond to? Because only when you understand that individual, can you lead that individual leadership isn't like a pack mentality. It's really a one-on-one -on -one individual thing. Some people say, oh, you know, I can't coach this person or I can't work with this person, but have you really tried to learn that person, speak their language, and see if they're, you know, produce the results or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do? So I think that that's a super important quality of leadership. And as far as that goes, I would have to say that, you know, all people could be leaders, but it's this, I guess, negligence to this aspect that would make, you know, very few people good leaders or effective leaders. Yeah, and... Um well, shout out to Gio and Idolmaker that signed on. Shout out to everybody else who I've missed. Uh, we're going to be signing off live in about two, three minutes. So you guys can catch us on. Uh, we're going to post this, this episode this coming week. Uh, to touch base on what you just said. Um, I said it last night too. I had a good conversation. I guess it was the, the cold brew. But I believe it's very important that success is not understanding the game. It's understanding the people. And it's almost like poker. You know, everyone knows how to play poker, but you got to read your players. And that transcends, I mean, it really transcends it. I don't know if you guys have ever read poker books. I have, because it's psychology. I mean, once you get the fundamental understanding of math, it's all psychological. You know, understanding heart rates, looking for signs, tails or tells or whatever. It's very important to understand that in everything. Period. I mean, if you read uh, Miyamoto Musashi, which is my home, my homie, bro. Uh, you know that. You know what I'm talking about. Our local Asians here. They're not Asian, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, but you might as well samurai. And I tell you what, he writes. It's the way of the warriors, not understanding, you know, war and battle. It's understanding people. So you can fight all you want with a particular sword or weapon, but if you don't know your opponent, you're dead. Because the day the opponent shows up with something that's unorthodox, you're dead. All you ever did was master your own way. 
but it's it's more than that. It's a it's a transcend that. So in sport, in business, in leadership, uh, just like in strongman and powerlifting, you have to understand your opponent. Like you have to understand yourself. You have to understand your sport, and especially for you coaches out there, if you want success in this business, it's understanding what other coaches are doing, what other athletes are doing, what are they saying, what are they liking, what are they reading, what, how are they lifting, what products are they buying, what comments are they doing, what did they, what did they comment on in the sense of Instagram and social media, what, are they, what articles are they writing, what seminars are people hosting. If you're not doing this research, you're fucking fake. I just want you to understand that. I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, but I am. Because there's a lot of guys out there who put all this time into calling themselves a coach or a leader and they don't study anything but themselves. They just try to do their own thing in their own house, in their own realms, in their own comfort zone. They're not going to seminars. And you know why you're not going to seminars, motherfuckers? Because I host a seminar every two, three months and I have to pull teeth for people to come. I'm giving you a seminar from some of the most successful people, both successful in the world and in a business sense and it's like i have to ask people to come here that goes to show you the mentality of coaches in the city i'm gonna talk about miami my own city nobody tra- nobody goes outside of their doorstep to learn shit at a very minimal price bro i actually lose money to bring good information to this town and i'm not trying to toot my own horn because it doesn't, it doesn't matter tooting my own horn doesn't fucking bring me more money honestly and people don't do it you know why because they don't understand that they don't i don't want i just want to say it's based on ignorance you're not, okay, you want to spend $70 on your chicken breast, but you don't want to spend $70 going down the road to learn something from successful people. They may say 100 things, but you learn one thing. That one thing's going to change your life. You know how I know? Because that's what's happened to me. I go to seminars now. I'm like, eh, oh, okay. Okay, that's methodology. Okay, cool. They told me one thing. That one thing opens the door to 100 other things. And it's both on business, schooling, education, whatever you want. So when it comes to calling yourself a leader and it comes to a coach, if you're not going on that aspect, if you're not taking that philosophy into, into your mindset, I'm sorry, man, but you're a fucking, you're a joke. And you need to be real, you need to just be real with yourself. And it's going to piss a lot of people off. I get it. Because most of the things I say are going to piss people off. Uh, but I've, I've put in the roadwork and I'm hoping to do more. I'm just lucky enough to know a lot of people who are successful and have them to be nice enough to come to my gym and provide a service for a very minimal cost for the people that I that I that I hang out with and the people that I care about. So take that into account as far as leadership is concerned. That it's understanding what the people do. So if you're a manager and you're not talking to other managers, if you're not not going to seminars that are other businessmen in your in your career, cool. Maybe you don't like your job that much. I get it. Some of us do jobs that we don't like. So okay. So don't worry about it. But if you're out there boasting about being the best CEO you want, the best leader you are, and I'm a great manager, but all you do is just, you know, read some shit on YouTube and that's it, then to me, I think you're just a fucking... Um, Fugazi. Yeah, Fugazi. Fugazi. Hey. You know, theory. Hey. This guy's yeah. hanging out with I'm Italian. Uh, well, thank you, Randy. So I guess a good, uh, some good live stream. Some, uh, I want to say bye to the live stream, guys. Um, I think it's fucking cool. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to try and do this every episode. And I like to tune off before I, before I get too buzzed. Uh, and also, but I should be reminded, now you got to listen to the episode, assholes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. See you guys soon, bro. Thank you so much. Oh, Gina, my sister. What's going on, girl? All right, shout out. Thank you, guys. Battle Likes Gym, out. All right, so. Um, well, so let me, read, let me read this one. I feel like I signed off from live Instagram and the episode's over. Oh, 
what to do right now. Uh, so the next question we're going to do now, um, now that you guys can't see me, you're welcome. Um, I thought the leadership question was really fucking, really fucking nice. Um, and this was one that I was asked, look, I understand that I'm the point in my career right now that one of the major players in my body and my life is injury. So I get it. Uh, some of us has dealt with injury. Some of us have dealt with injury in a small account. Sorry, I almost I, I knew I was gonna spill this, Vinny. Um, Mine's good. <laughs> I spilled something classic. I feel like Brian Carroll in episode three, where he spilled all the whiskey everywhere. <laughs> you remember when Brian spilled the whole whiskey? Brian, I hope you're listening. I'm just gonna tell you to fast forward. Uh, Brian Carroll at Brian Carroll from PRS team. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this last one, I want to understand that I am I am okay with this part of my life being guided by injury in a sense that, but I most certainly won't let it define my career. And I also won't let it uh, define the success I had before I got hurt and the sex success that I'm going to have after that sex too, but <laughs> it's slower now. Uh, I mean, <laughs> by slower, I mean like 90 seconds, guys, you know, tranquilos. That's a long time. Vinny. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, rules of success. Sec- 60 seconds. Max effort. <laughs> <laughs> Max effort. <laughs> That's a professional round. Bitch, you better get yours in. Uh, so, I got mine. 63 push-ups in one minute. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I did it, yeah. So, the, one of the questions, and it's, it's one that, uh, it's pretty in-depth, but it's from experience. And I got this many, many times. Because how have you dealt with injury on a personal level um, as far as dealing with family, friends, and loved ones? And I believe that that question is going to be a long one. But at the same time, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. I think if you guys really want to get in depth with that uh, particular question, I have a lot of posts that I've talked about. Uh, I've made some videos about it. And the only reason why I've done it is because I've always thought that when people get hurt and they get seriously injured in sport, they just disappear. And I thought that, I always thought that that's, that's just cowardly. Uh, they didn't want the world and their sponsors and their friends to see them in a vulnerable state. So these guys get fucked up and they disappear for four months and then they come back and everything's fine again. And no one tells me how they got better, why they did what they did, nothing. And that always pissed me off. And my biggest deal with doing this was, hey, look, man, all of us are going to get hurt. We are going to get hurt 100%. We are in strength sports. We are in a savage sport. We are going to absolutely get fucked up. And the last thing you want is to feel isolated because injury makes you isolated. And if you think it doesn't, then you've never been injured. You've just been hurt. And that's part of the game. So how do I deal with this as far as a personal level? I, I even got to answer this question the other day. One of my clients asked me. Client sounds like a rough word, but one of my clients lifters. How do I deal with this? And just that mental voice of like letting things go and that weakness. Um, when people tell you not to be a pussy and when they tell you to just stop it and just do it, those are action items. Those make great memes. They make great shirts. They make great Instagram posts. They make great music. But they're not telling you anything. It's an action item. Like, stop it. Okay, cool. How do I get to that level of mental stability and courage to actually just stop something? Where, in essence, do you just build that? And that comes from a day-to-day, task-to-task, war of attrition over time, consistently fighting every second of your life. And if you think that this life is not a series of battles of an, uh, just hourly, minute by minute, day by day, then I need you to take a second look at your life. Because the only reason why I've got to that point, I understand. Listen, I'm not saying that I've, 
I know there's a lot of people with way worse situations out there. And I would only love to sit in a room with them, which I have, and take appreciation for my life. But my situation was my situation. And I only speak from my experiences. I know that getting up every day and battling every little thing in my life and taking some W's for the team was the only reason why I wanted to keep living. So when I got up in the morning, I would look in the mirror and say, you're going to do it. Today, you're going to walk down the stairs without pain. And it's from a guy who can deadlift 700, log press 350 or 340, do all these things. And the only thing I wanted to focus on was going downstairs without pain, with, with not being mad at my girlfriend, with not lashing out on my family because I was so fucking pissed all the time that I, everything was stripped away from me from my stupidity, which at one time was viewed as badassness. Well, not anymore, right? And I viewed these small battles every day, little things where I would... Uh, focus on, okay, today I'm going to walk into the gym and do this. Today I'm going to uh, react with something with a smile. Today I'm going to uh, tell something a positive thing. Today I'm going to go home and I'm going to feel good about myself and I'm not going to bring that negativity into my home. I'm going to pet my dog and I'm going to do these things. And I, I, every day I would have, let's say, 100 battles. And I would, uh, the first time of this happened, I would lose 99. And I lost eventually 95 and then 90, and so on and so forth, too, I would at least win half, which is a lot to say. When you consistently see your life in these patterns and these day-to-day tasks and these endeavors and this kind of warrior spirit, I promise you that when somebody tells you, stop, don't be a pussy, let that go, don't worry about shit you can't control, you're going to have the courage and understanding to execute that saying. And there is the fucking difference. You have to build. You have to earn that. You can't just wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to do it. No, you're not. No, you're not because you've never done it before. You've never trained yourself to do that. You've never felt bottom. You've never really analyzed that. To get to that point takes work, man. It's like weightlifting. It's like sports. You think you're just going to wake up one day and lift 600 pounds? You're fucking not. You have to tell yourself. You have to feel the pain. You have to let go of your friends. You got to say no to your family. You got to say no to parties, alcohol, drugs, bitches, pussy, all that bullshit. You see, you got to say no because it's not going to lift itself. You got to train yourself to execute the courage that it takes to lift that weight in the same essence that it takes you to execute something psychologically like saying, don't be a pussy. When I say it, I fucking mean it. And when you hear it, you better listen, motherfucker. Because I'm saying it because I know what it means. I know what it feels like in my bones. And I hope that you guys are, I hope that you guys take that into account because that may be one of the greatest things I learned in the last year of my life. Everything truly ends. So you have to understand that when you're taking this philosophy into mind, it's a, it's a day-to-day thing, dude. Like being mindful and doing this MBSR and doing this mindful practice and meditate. I fucking hate meditating. I hate it because the last person I want to sit in a room with for 25 minutes is myself because I know who I am. I know all the scumbag shit and all the fear and the lies and the doubt and all the fucking shit that no one knows that I sat with by myself when I would leave this gym in pain and just be like, well, what the fuck's the point of living? I know what that feels like. Not, not anybody else. Nothing, because I can conceptualize this idea in a podcast and word, but you're never going to feel the fear and the disgust and the fucking just disappointment that I felt to myself. And so the last person I want to sit with sometimes is me. And I guarantee you that 99% of the people in this room, if they sat down in a room, I said, you know what, dude, shut your phone off. Just sit in this chair 
and just sit for 25 don't just 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 sit 25 minutes don't say shit i don't care what you think about don't worry about music and all the fucking don't worry about what you think meditation and just let it go for 25 minutes every day five minutes in you're gonna quit you're gonna quit because you know who you are and you don't want to sit with yourself but that's like my greatest challenge and also my greatest joy because it's like the hardest thing in the world and you got to take this into day-to-day battles you know you got to do this little by little you can five minutes six minutes six minutes 30 seconds i had a bad day three minutes cool man i took the l next day i'm gonna do four minutes five minutes go back into it so if you want to really understand with how i've dealt with injury on a personal level with family and friends and loved ones i only hope that they see what i've done i can't tell them hey man i've had a bad year uh, can i show them that i had a bad year but i came out like a motherfucker I bet I can. And it starts with these process, like little by little. So I know that's an in-depth question and shit's heavy. And I know that you guys listening now and in the room are understanding this shit because we all have personal battles, dude. We all have loss. We all have doubt. We all have fear. And that really leads me to that next question that's right underneath that one. It's like, I know it sounds silly, uh, but it's not really. Kevin fixed me. He was a great therapist, works for Athletics Rehab. Kyle, shout out to those guys that take care of me constantly. Um, have you ever felt like a pussy? <laughs> All the time, dude. Like every day. Because when I fail at my meditation, I feel like a pussy. I'm like, ah. I even I tell these guys, I leave the cushion in my path. I have a meditation cushion because I can't sit down for very long. I'm too fat. My feet go numb. All right? <laughs> 105 kilo. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> and, uh, I, um, I leave it there because it reminds me that I was a pussy. And I, was, uh, I didn't have the courage to meditate. So I leave it in my passenger seat. I don't leave it in the gym because everything I leave in the gym stays in the gym. Yeah, just like this mentality thing. You know, weights, uh, certain shoes. I don't bring gear home anymore. Belts, wrist straps. That's my, that's, my, that's my armor. That stays where it's... I don't bring... I try my best not to bring that warrior home. I bring Michael de la Pava home. So everything, so everything I leave in the gym is a, is, is, stays in the gym. So I leave it in my car to remind myself of when I was weak. And so if you ask me how I, if I ever felt like a pussy all the time, all the time. And I think all of us can say that about being fearful and weak. Uh, but it's, it's again... It's how you approach that battle. Okay, I didn't meditate today. Cool. Actually, I didn't meditate today. I'm a little upset about it, but I'll make up for it because I will is the thing. I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll do it. You know, like, I'm like, I look at that stupid little cushion. It's maroon. It's beautiful. I like it. And I have a seat at home. One of my, Vanessa got me. Thank you. Uh, And I see it. I go, ah, I didn't do it. What am I going to do? Oh, fuck it. Ah, Fuck it. Who cares? Ah, I was so busy today. I'm, you know, it's just the way it is. I'm, I'm super upset. That's weakness. The real courageous thing to do is like, I'm too scared to meditate with myself. Uh, I was being a fucking pussy about it. That's, that's real character. So that little thing reminds me constantly. So when I went from deadlifting a fucking whatever the fuck deadlifting your life, quote that, yeah, we're going to next shirt. It's the next shirt. Shh. It's trademarked. Honestly, it is. So, uh, I went from that to literally, again, putting on pants without pain was like a fucking milestone. I would text my girlfriend, guess what? Put on my pants today, no pain. 
when I had I was literally one of the strongest motherfuckers that I knew that in the sense of physical and all that shit. Uh, so yeah, man, I've I've felt like a pussy, but I believe that it's how we react to these uh, mentalities and these battles that makes us fucking who we are and worth hanging out with. You exude courage. Courage, like fear and weakness, it's like it's palpable. You can smell weakness. Human beings were meant to do that. We were meant to smell prey. We are hunters. We smell weakness. We smell fear. Like we smell courage and we smell something. We sense fucking strength. Like, we sense strong, like strong personalities. People who are driven walk into a room. You're like, this motherfucker, I just want to be his friend. Like I just want to hang out with this guy. Let me buy you a beer so I can like steal your ideas. You know, like not really, but really. Uh, and, that, and I think it's palpable. And I think it, it all comes from this day-to-day thing. So, again, to reiterate and to make this long story a little shorter, if you are not tackling these concepts with day-to-day battles and to see this as a war of attrition, as a trench warfare, as a step-by-step, foot-by-foot, inch-by-inch concept, unless you are extremely gifted, which I wish I would know you, and take your money, then you will absolutely eventually fail. And when you fail, you're going to fail so hard because you have never been ready for that fall. The gaps of success are so far from each other, you're going to fall a long ways away. It's like mountain climbing. You ever heard of lead climbing? Lead climbing is they'll put a pin in the wall and they'll climb like 10 feet, 15 feet, and they'll put another like clip or whatever, and they'll attach a carabiner, and they go up, this is this how I view life. The bigger the climb and the bigger the distance between the clips, the harder the fall and the scarier the fall. And the more likely you are to die because that fall is going to go. But if you take shorter steps, stick to drill, and take time to put the carabiner in, you're building a legacy, a thing going consistently up and up and up. So when you do fall, you're like, I won't fall as hard anymore. I've been through some shit. Does that make sense? And you need to view that. That's why I've seen it. I, I remember lead, looking at lead climbing. First of all, that's not for fat people like me. But when you view things like that, you're like, holy fuck, that guy just fell 30 feet. Like literally free fall. Whoop, and they go. Philosophically, and, you know, and this idea is if you add the pin every 10 feet, every five feet, there's a difference. You build that consistency. And it takes work to pull in the fucking drill. And you are super high. And you are super vulnerable. And you're super fucking scared. I mean, you're thousands of feet up or hundreds of feet up. doesn't matter. I can be 10 feet up. I hate heights, by the way. If that's a question, I hate it. Fat people don't like, I mean, fat people don't like heights. Uh, yeah, well, it must be nice to be tall, fuck face. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Battle Axe Jim hates yeah, tall people. Fucking sweet. Uh, <laughs> JT and John are both 6'8". Just kidding. Um, but yes, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's kind of where that, that question has led me to. And last night I got super chatty about that. Uh, and it was it was it made me really think about last year being a success despite the consistent fucking failures I felt uh, physically, emotionally, you know, mentally, whatever. Um, and if you were going to ask me how I did it and how I'm going to continue to do it, because I believe some people think that I'm like like out of hot water, but I'm not actually the hardest right now. It's not. It's actually the hardest mod is now because I feel better. So I'm going to make the biggest mistakes ever. And now is the time where. I really need to adhere to discipline 
Because when you're pain-free, it's just like those, those uh, motivational speeches I always listen to. When everything's going really good, it's really easy to be like, ha-ha, life is good. That's, that's not fucking courage. That's not courage. When things are hard, yeah. I'm not saying you have to have a hard life to be courageous. I'm just saying the, the identity, to identify what you're going through and to, to help that, is that's a, that, that takes courage too. And he sees little things constantly. So, um, whatever. I get super chatty on that one. And um, I don't know if you boys want. I got we super got one more. Oh, we shit. We got a final one here, which is, uh, well, recently the, uh, some of the thousands of rules from the gym were put up on Instagram. <laughs> and oh, this is a good one. What, a, a, what a paradigm shift. Here we go. Not a real word still. <sighs> Not a there word. is a specific question as to how does one lift with their dick? <laughs> If we could answer that from a logistical standpoint, like a real oh, wow. down to earth. This guy, this guy threw logistical at me. Fucking big time lawyer over here. He may not know what that means. English is not his you first know what? language. I just, um, I'm always about Colombian lawyers in the game. So thank you, Felipe Montoya. Um, Philip? There's all Philip, Philip. So I'll tell you what, boys and girls. I don't mean to be saying condescendingly, but how do you lift with your dick? So that concept. So first of all, we have a thousand rules here at the gym, mainly because I'm a fucking really grumpy person. Uh, so lifting with your dick is obviously metaphorical because two inches doesn't get much off the ground. So that's me. Um, Unless but, you're a sumo deadlifter. Yeah, which is cheating. <laughs> Duh. Uh, so so we recently, if you guys haven't, if you don't follow me, I'm at the Battle Axe Gym. If you don't follow me, I mean, seriously. <sighs> I mean, yeah, what do you even, first of all, I don't even know how the fuck you heard about me, but first follow me. Uh, so we posted these rules, and one of the biggest ones we always did, I think we said it a long, long time ago, is our people would come in here into this gym, and I would say, okay, man, stick to 405. I'd go outside and do some shit, and I'd come back, and they're like at 455, and they're shitting the bed, back's all fucking terrible, no form, no technique. And I'm like, why are you lifting with your dick? First of all, no girl here is going to fuck you, because forget about it. You don't come here to fucking pick up chicks. Nobody gives a fuck what you look like, it's about adhering to discipline. And I go, if you're going to come in here and try to show me the size of your dick, I promise you my dick is bigger, number one, metaphorically. Duh. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. It's been a little cold in Miami. Uh, but, uh, and it came to the fact where I'm like, that, that comes from a very meathead culture where there is a time and a place where you can push your, your training team and your clan and your, and your, your partner and, and go at it. But it typically should not be in the main lifts and nothing, nothing detrimental like the squat bench that lift overhead press, something technical like that, split jerks, push press, whatever. And I would say stop lifting with your dick because what you're trying to show me, which is a very common male trait, but now it's just, just a trait because if you were to say it's male or female, females are the same, same way. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's a fucking lifting thing. Uh, it's just easier to, to say lifting with your dick because we make bigger mistakes like that or smaller mistakes. And uh, you, they're just trying to show, oh, Mike, look, look at the size of my dick. I can do, I can do 455. I go, yes, you can. But it looks terrible. And your form is dog shit. So had you stayed at 405 and look good and disciplined, I would be more impressed with your ability to adhere to discipline and being coachable then you showing me 455 that you came up really, really bad and fucking looked terrible. And it became a thing where not so much anymore because I think people understand who and what we are about that this gym is, is just not for people who don't have thick skin. It's just, it, it really just isn't. 
and if you're trying, if somebody's trying to coach you and you're trying to get some knowledge from your teammate and you're like, nah, nah, I got this. Well, now we got problems because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt on my time. And then you're going to go off and you're going to tell everybody I went to the battle axiom and I hurt my back. And you're not going to tell them because you're being a fucking idiot. And then I was lifting with my dick. You can be like, oh, it's just because, you know, it just, it just happened. So as in a business perspective, never as a businessman ever let anyone do anything with their dicks in your presence. Because it's bad business <laughs> in many ways, right? Uh, so if you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, whatever, man. Let's say just say you fucking, you, you just make food. You're a chef. And some guy comes in there like, yeah, well, I can make this much. And he fucking burns it. And everything's all fucked up. And you're like, well, this motherfucker just fucked it all up, right? So he burned his dick on the grill. <laughs> Don't look at me. I see you over there. <laughs> I can't mention I dicks had a around guard these on. guys. I can't mention dicks around these guys. I'm pretty turned on myself, but um, <laughs> so and I, I and that became a thing. So we enlisted one of these. That's funny. That's the one that got the most. Like, oh, you know, what does it mean to live? You know, we, there is a joke. We all joke about it, but truly, uh, I know that I have lifted with my dick many times, and I wish I could tell myself, dude. No, I was by myself too. It's not like I was trying to impress anybody. I was trying to impress me. I'm like, Michael, here's the size of your dick. I'm like, I know what it looks like, fucker. I've seen you in the morning. It's not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I take some selfies, whatever. And uh, I was like, <laughs> dear diary. I'm fucking sleeping on the beanbag tonight, boys. And uh, i tell you what. So, <laughs> Listen, he's passing out on the beer. I don't want to sleep. Yeah, we're just real. getting started. Duffy's two for one. Patriots. Uh, Duffy's another tonight. sponsor of the Battle Action Podcast. Just kidding. Trademarked. Uh, so <laughs> when I tell you guys that, that that is one of the biggest fucking rules. And somebody, I remember somebody uh, posted on, on the actual post. Oh, my God, we got to post this. So many guys do this. I'm like, you know what? I've seen a lot of fucking chicks lift with their ovaries. I'm like, it's the same shit. It's the, the only reason why I use dick you know, I can say lift with her dick, and everyone's like, oh, cool, but don't be a pussy. I'm like, it's just fucking semantics. Please understand that that's, that's me really telling you, stop lifting with your fucking ego. It's just the term dicks is funnier. Uh, no, genders. Did you assume my gender right now? I feel like you did. All right, well, I'm, I want to cut the battle, this podcast short now. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because that's the one. That was the one. The dick jokes made no, like, it was okay. So when I, when I, in essence, lifting with your ego is probably the weakest thing you can do. And it's, it makes you look very childish. You look generally undisciplined. And it's not respectable. It's not. And you'll see it all the time. Oh, programmed for 315 but felt good today, so went for 355. I go, mm, how many times are you going to dance with the devil like that? And just know that for the guys in the game, the elite athletes, they look at that and automatically think you're 12 years old. That you're already like, they're looking at you like, you know, the only people that can really execute that and very, very, very far in between in the sense of few and far between in the sense of training sessions are elite athletes. And I tell you what, most elite athletes never fall off track. They never make those mistakes because their, life, their idea is to lift a certain way forever. And the same life responsibilities and life disciplines that got them to be an elite athlete are by not falling off the path and not veering off the way. So it transcends into their sport. They don't make stupid decisions. They don't say, oh, well, it said 405, so today I'm going to do 500 for a single. Right? It's rampant and strong, man. It's rampant. 
it's just like this thing we got, like this blue, it's an article I'm going to write. Blue collar doesn't mean that you should train through injury. It doesn't mean blue collar work ethic just means, you know, make stupid decisions. And it's rampant. And that's kind of where that comes from because I've seen it so many fucking times and it's super insulting to your coach. It's super insulting to your teammates. And you look like an idiot. doesn't matter what people tell you. They'll pat you on the back and be like, oh, good lift. And inside they're like, that was stupid. You know what I'm saying, Philip? Not that you do it. No, Because you don't, honestly. Because no. I'd fucking you, kick you, you out. You do see it a lot in the younger lifters. You see it a lot in the younger lifters. You see it a lot in people who show up to, I guess, a structured environment from coming from commercial gyms or a setting where they're the top dog and they just feel the need to always be showing that, always prove that, when in reality, you know, you're not going to impress very many people who are structured and disciplined by not being disciplined and structured, even if that means that you are deadlifting X amount of weight, squatting X amount of weight, um, to, 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 to those people who live in that discipline, that structured world, you know, it's more impressive, impressive to see someone who can stick to the path, can, you know, put their ego aside and say, you know what, today we're working at 80%, 70%, and really just hone in on the aspects of that, you know, let's perfect form. Instead of PRing today, let's make these deadlifts look pristine. Let's make them look perfect. Right, Ben? I think Felipe is spot on, and Michael was spot on with his spiel as well. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> spiel is good. Spiel. That's yeah, a, that's, a good, uh, that's a Boston word. That's, that's spiel. Like Italian talking, talking with his dick is what it is. Talking his, with yes. my Italian dick. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the salchich. The salchich. Bippity bappity. There was a... <laughs> can't even talk with these guys <laughs> this is abuse at this gym this is what it is um i have a teammate that a couple weeks back said something to me and at the time i took it negatively but now it sticks to my head uh i've caught myself where i i get ingrained in a percentage or i get ingrained in a weight and i lose the passion for the process and i get more entangled in hitting this exact fucking number mm. and in that experience that I that he said that comment to me three weeks ago, in that three weeks, I've erred to the side of, okay, he's got 80%. I test out 70. I test out 75. And it comes with time. It comes with experience. It comes with getting beat to shit by certain weights that it's okay to lift lighter. Like, your longevity in the sport is going to be more impressive than if you pull 500 in front of no one that really fucking cares. Mm. Lift with your dick? Sweet. Lift to live another day, I'll see you on the next platform. Like something to that extent, that goes a million miles more than whatever big number you have. I want to see you in 10 years when I'm 60 and you're 35 and we're going head to head. Then I'll be like, all right, you're a strong motherfucker. But if yeah, you tell me, hey, remember when I lifted 500 12 years back? No, I don't. I remember the next guy after you that lifted 450 and he's competing next to me now. Yeah, just like well, we had the Brian Carroll summarize, like uh, availability over ability. I mean, that one, I think that stuck uh, stuck with all of us. You know, you can have all the ability in the world. You ain't, I mean, I mean, that hit me in the fucking, hit me in the soul. Because availability, if you're not available, it doesn't matter how able you are. I mean, you you could, okay, so the, the point of these podcasts consistently is that it really transcends everything. 
You know, if you're a really talented manager, but you're a shitty person, you get fired. You can never apply these things, or you're always leaving the office or whatever. So, to me, I remember that's why I never let myself drown into what I used to be. It was very easy last year to be like, oh, if I would have been training right now, I would have been doing this. And then every once in a while, I would come out like, oh, you know, I had a 300 pound strict press two years ago. You know where I would be? It didn't matter. It doesn't really fucking matter because I wasn't available. I was hurt because of the bad decisions that got me to that, you know, that particular lift. So and that's very important. It's like, okay, we we have these particular journeys in this sport, but if you haven't, you're okay. You you just like a shooting star. You got three years of incredible success. Great, but the lifter that goes on for 10, 15, 20 years is gonna have that same success and more so because of their decision making and. That's in everything, if, especially in business and especially in, in management and leadership. It's, you can't just go up like a shooting star like that. And that, again, I can't reiterate why the population in this gym is relatively specific because you can't come in here like a shooting star and think you're going to fucking go in and just balls to the wall. I'm like, no, you're not. You're fucking not. You're not going to lift here. Forget it. Fuck off. Because that mentality is contagious. It's a cancer. It leaks to the next lifter next to you because they think that, that it's okay to do that. So the next guy does it. Maybe they're not as lucky as you and they get hurt because it is luck. Some of us, we're just lucky we don't get hurt. Eventually we do. But, and then they get hurt. Then what, who's, you know, who's the responsible? You or the coach? I'm responsible. I have to talk to their family, talk to their parents. I have to see this guy limp away and text him every few weeks. How are you? No, I'm, I'm really upset. I, can't. I have to do that. You're not going to do that as a teammate. I am. That sucks. Trust me. I've been down that road, and it's fucking terrible. Um, well, yeah. But, so, I mean, I'm sorry, Vinny. Go ahead. Are you going to say something? I do. I have a question. Oh, um, and this stems back this is, from... This is, this, this is completely... This is we're, the we're at, the reader it? asking uh, the question improv, now. Improv. 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 Leave it to Philip to just nail it with the white I'll, thing. I'll, I'll, let our, anyway. I'll let our improv. beard strong podcast guys hold true podcast. to this <laughs> podcast. Sorry. Podcast. I'm thinking beer pong right now. Uh, Battle ass podcast. Battle ass podcast. <laughs> Two, maybe three years back, I had a conversation, and it was probably over beers, liquor, after training, with a certain Ooh. individual that said, "Never let your enemies see when you're injured." Mm. If you had to answer that question in three to five minutes right now, how would you speak to that individual? Oof. I would say that um, that's a good question. If I was gonna, if I was gonna take it into as a leader or as an athlete, I'd have to divide that into different things. In battle, which is what you prepare for as an athlete, I would never let somebody see me injured, and I've done that before. I told you when I broke my foot, when I tore my hamstring, uh, people knew I was hurt, but I didn't show it. And I think that when you're training, you should be mature enough to show vulnerability to your peers, to your teammates, and to your coach that you're hurt. When you're in battle, which is whatever your battle is, you should never show weakness. And there's a difference. And I think it is when you apply, as in everything in life, when you should apply that vulnerability. Because it is vulnerability when you admit you're hurt. It sucks. You know, you're like, look, this hamstring's not getting better. And your teammates know you're hurt. Your family knows you're hurt. Your coach knows you're hurt. So people start to do shit like, oh, let me get that for you. Let me do this. And the first reaction is, no, I got it. And no, you don't got it. And it takes courage to understand that. And that courage and that 
eating your shit sandwich and dealing with that for four or five, whatever amount of months is going to build the execution of when you get hurt on the battlefield to shut your fucking mouth, to hold tight, hold fast, and not show any weakness to anyone. And I think that's, that's very important that we differentiate. That's a really great question. That's how I see it. I don't know how everyone else will see it. But you prepare. In Strongman, you prepare three or four months for a total of three, maybe three and a half minutes of work. In those three and a half minutes, which are very important, in the seven hours that people are looking at you, you should never look weak. You should never look like you're going to lose the competition. And we train that here in the Battle Axe Gym. If you're tired and you're walking around lying on your back, we, you know, you know, Vinny, I may fucking punch you in the face because you look weak. You look like a dead animal. And if you do that on the battlefield at, at a competition, I'll look at you and be like, you're fucking done. I'm going to fucking beat you. And there's nothing worse than another man or woman or whatever telling you that they're going to beat you. And when they say it, like with true, like this is, this is happening, you feel like a piece of shit. We don't train that here. You don't drop weights. You don't sigh and go and fucking lie on your back and then show everybody how weak you look. Because if you do it on the battlefield, you will be eaten alive. And that, it's the same thing in life, man. There's a certain time when you're supposed to be vulnerable with your team, with the people who want to build you up, who want to support you, your loved ones, your teammates, your coach, the people who are loading the plates for you because they generally want to see you succeed. It takes courage to be vulnerable around those people. And the same thing will apply that that particular ability to eat that shit sandwich will transcend into the courage to not show weakness on the battlefield. It's almost like a 180. But you first you got to feel bottom before you know what fucking being a badass feels like. And I know from experience, bro. You see me on that fucking battlefield, you won't even know if my fucking brain blew up. I'd be like, right, hold fast. I used to write, so I got this tattoo on my knuckles that says hold fast. Because when I played prop, the only thing that the other prop really would see was my knuckles. So I would always show my knuckles first. Why would I fucking smash my fucking skull right into theirs? Because I wanted them to know that I'm not fucking giving up anything. I broke my ribs. I broke my face. I broke ribs. Oh, I already said ribs. Elbows. Tore everything. I, I fucked my ankles up, my groin, whatever. Ribs. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you heard ribs. Uh, Flanagan ribs. Delicious. Also one of our sponsors. Just kidding. <laughs> Please be our sponsor, my God. And Duffy's um, dropped you. <laughs> uh, Kicks out. Now Duffy's dropped us. Um, and I tell you what, man. Uh, that's that's a really that's awesome, Vinny. Um, that's really where I I I feel that um, there's a big when you call somebody your opponent or your enemy, you must understand that those words should be heavy, that they should be meaningful. Just like when you call somebody your teammate or your friend or your coach, if the words carry weight, then you're not gonna be so hesitant. You know, if you call somebody your family, and you're like, dude, I'm having a bad day. I need your help. That's courage. As opposed to, nah, I'm good. Uh, this last year, nah, it's a bunch of times I'm like, nah, I'm not doing so well. It sucks. As opposed to the year before, I was always like, pff, pff, me? Pff, great. Cool, man, I get it. I'm not saying that that person isn't tough. There's some tough motherfuckers out there. But I found a different type of toughness. If you're going to throw the word family, friend, whatever at them, then give them the respect of that title and be like, you know what? My back really hurts, bro. Can you pick that up for me? When I did that as a fucking man, when I asked Megan to pick things up for me, my girlfriend, can you pick that up for me? As a man, I'm like, this is so fucking embarrassing and emasculating that I'm sitting here on a chair 
in pain, not doing anything. Well, it takes courage. If you're going to call that person your partner, you're going to call your sister, your brother, your mother, I, I can't help you move because my back, my back is shit. I'm the strongest person in the family, and they were moving, and I'm like, I can't help you. Sucks, dude. But they're your team. They're your family. Give them that vulnerability. Hey, man, I can't. And you know what they're going to be like? If they're truly your fucking... It's all right. Don't worry about it. And then when you eat that shit sandwich, when you're really at bottom, bro, when you're really at bottom, being on top on the battlefield tastes like fucking heaven, dude. Because then when you look at somebody and like, your hamstring's torn, you look at that motherfucker, you're like, I'm fucking good. I'm fucking good, dude. You ready? Because this shit's a little heavy. And on the inside, I'm like, I'm about to shit my pants. This <laughs> happened all the time, which I almost have on a deadlift, whatever. Right? That's fucking courage. So to answer your question, which I hope I did, it, it, you have to understand when and with who to apply it to taste the fucking fruit of being on the mountaintop, which is, I mean, we're going to close it up right now because I think we really have some awesome fucking points. Today was the first day that I've trained uh, Strongman in one year. So... First of all, cheers to me. Yay. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Ah, clap the table. It's been literally, and I, and I know that, uh, no, yeah. Uh, it's been literally one year. And I know that we're from Miami, so when we say literally, it's not true. But literally, more than 365 days that I've touched any strongman implement, even in the sense of moving it. Because... I felt like I didn't deserve it. So I felt like I had done this injustice to myself, so I cannot be touching the log. I moved the yoke a few times because I was being stubborn, and then I felt nerve pain, and I stopped. We're talking about 145-pound girls coming in the morning and moving the yoke for me because I was like, can you please move the yoke for me? That's at the level I was, the discipline, in a sense. Or maybe just the fucking adherence to my bullshit. Well, 140. I said 140, quote-unquote. You guys didn't see it. And um, it's been a year since that happened. Today was the first day, and today was full of a very, to me, it's very emotional. I mean, I, I can't tell you, I was like, I love this sport. And so there was a couple of times I was like tearing up and shit, to be very honest with you. I guess some people just might understand, but I fucking love sport, and I love this sport. I, an athlete is my life. Competition is life. It's not... It's not a joke to me. So today was huge. And in that essence, the only reason why today tasted so fucking sweet was because I didn't fucking stray from the way. Rule 21 of the Dakota. Google that shit. I didn't cheat. I didn't go to a fucking seminar and say, hey, I'm gonna, let me pick that up for you. Let me show you this real quick. I didn't. And that is the same shit that builds character. I'm not fucking saying that somehow I am this incredible human being because I'm fucking not. I lie. I cheat. I make mistakes. I always fuck up. I'm good with that, though, because, again, I am always one step and one battle and one war from going right back into the trenches and fighting for being a better human being. So this is MDLP, the Battle Axe Gym Podcast, signing off saying, don't be a pussy. Everything ends.